Amen. I didn't really even know it was Fourth Fourth of July weekend until after last Sunday. And I thought, well, this is the Fourth of July weekend. See, when you don't don't have a regular regular job, you don't really know one day for the the next as far as holidays and things are concerned, because every day is a holiday. I don't have to get up and punch a clock, but I have to get up and get up and do other things. And uh, so, but if we celebrate the 4th of July, we get a day off from work, or most people do. I didn't get a day off. I didn't take the day off. We have picnics and fireworks and all kinds of things that are going on, and generally everybody has a good time. And hopefully the people that aren't here this morning, hopefully they're having a good time in church somewhere else. Because it's hard for to ask God's blessing upon our lives when we're not faithful in visiting his house and showing up in his house. It's hard because we're asking God to to bless something that he can't bless. So when we're faithful to God, he's faithful to us. Now if I was to ask you, I know that we celebrate freedom and we talk about freedom all the time, especially in America, because man, we're in to freedom. One word that describes America, it's freedom. But if I was to ask you what that meaning of that word would mean, it would probably be different to every one of us here this morning. We'd all have a different interpretation of it. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened against, again by a yoke of slavery. Sla- uh, slavery was something that you know, we've had in our history. But see, there's a different kind of slavery that's involved in our life. And that's what God doesn't want us to be involved in. He came to set us free. And freedom wasn't man's idea, it was God's. God is the one that set up America because we know that from the, from the foundation of our nation, our founding fathers. We know what they used in order to set up our foundation, set up our constitution, set up all these things. It was the Bible. It was based upon God's principles. And so freedom was God's idea, not man's. He just planted the seeds in our hearts so we could be able to act upon it and let him water it and let it grow, because, but it was God's idea. Now, our, our nation had three phases of freedom. Now, in eight, nine, 1787, on the, uh, the day that they you know, had started, they had the Constitution that was all written and they started, wanted it all ratified by all the 13 states and 13 colonies, as we know, I mean, you're going to get a little bit of history, not a lot. So you people that don't like history, I'm not going to go into great details. just kind of generalities this morning. But at, when, the Cong- when the Declaration of Independence was, was written, then they sent it around for ratification. And during this ratification process, they thought, you know what? We better do something to be able to protect the rights of the people. Because our government is supposed to be by the people and for the people. Isn't it? But it isn't anymore. <laughs> now it's by the leadership, and we're just poor pawns in the, in, the, in the mess. But that's what they want to do. They want to protect the rights of the individual people. And so what they did is it went around through these different colonies as they started writing amendments to the Constitution. And they wrote 10 original amendments. And the first one was the most important one to them, because usually number one is the most important thing in your life. If I asked you what was important in your life, what's the number one important thing, that's what you're going to put first, Right? Number one important thing. And that First Amendment said freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of the people to, pe- to peaceably assemble. And that's the, fourth, the first phase of the freedom that we went through, the freedom of. Now, this wasn't freedom from religion. Because see, there's a difference. We have freedom of worship, not from worship, not from God. We have freedom of speech. Now, we may not like what other people say, but they have the right to say it because we don't have a freedom from what people say. 
We just have the freedom to say what we want to say. And there's freedom of the press. Sometimes I wish they didn't have such freedom that they have because their view of the press and the news isn't the same as mine. But we, they have the freedom of the press, and we have to be able to support that. It's not freedom from the press. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any news channels on the TV because they aren't worth listening to anymore. Because, but we have freedom of the press. We have the freedom to assemble, the freedom of assembling. We have that freedom that's granted by our First Amendment rights. We're here this morning because we have the freedom to gather together. Not freedom from, but freedom of. Now, this doesn't give us the license to be a mob. That doesn't cover a mob mentality. We're not free to be a mob. We're freedom to assemble peaceably. And we're peaceably here this morning because we're worshiping the Prince of Peace. So we're, we're all right there. Now, Romans 13, 4 says, The government is God's servant for working for our good. Wow! When they first set up this nation, it was government was set up to be good. So if we have a bad government, it isn't what God originally set up or what God attended because God said government is good as long as they adhere to his principles. The second phase of freedom is the freedom, freedom from. Now these uh, are from basically the second through the seventh amendments deals with freedoms from, protection from the government seizing your property to use as a prison or a jail, freedom from search and seizure, Freedom to have a, a speedy trial. Freedom of job, uh, from double jeopardy. So you can see where the difference is. We have freedom of, we have freedom from. We don't want to be oppressed by certain things. So we have freedom of, but we have freedom from certain other things. So the Constitution did a very good job of putting things together that no one else needs to add to it. There was ten commandments. I think ten amendments were probably enough too. <laughs> I don't know whether that had any significance in when they originally put the, ten, put the Constitution together in the original amendments. They put ten of them. They figured, I guess, it's good enough for God. It ought to be good enough for our nation. Of course, part of their Constitution was, you know, the, you know that the Ten Commandments were in there also. So, now Judges 21-25 states, At that time there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. See, we think that the freedom from means that we can do anything we want. I don't have to listen to what you say because I have freedom from. But that isn't the case because you can't have from and of at the same time. I may not like everything, but I have people's right to do it. But it isn't freedom from to do everything that we want to do. We get those two things mixed up. Bill Mayer, who I don't really uh, uh, appreciate most of the time, said one wise thing. He said, we have the Bill of Rights, but what we need is a Bill of Responsibilities. Isn't that what we need today? Man, if people were just responsible for what they did, what a difference this nation would be. If people would have to just stand up and be responsible for everything they did. If somebody steals something, be responsible. Don't say, hey, the, you know, the devil made me do it, or it was my environment that made me do it, or keep the, playing the blame game. And we as society start saying, you know, right, they did have a rough life. It's okay, you poor little thing. You were just misunderstood. Uh-uh. It doesn't provide for that. They took a survey and they said 13% of Americans believe in all 10%. 13%! Wow, that isn't very many. Nine out of ten Americans admit they lie regularly. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Seven percent of our people said they would kill a stranger for ten million dollars. Would you kill a stranger for ten million dollars? 
I don't think so. No, 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 no. But that's our nation. Because we live in a, a nation that is so into freedom from. Hey, I can do whatever I want. That's my mentality. That's what I want to do. We think we have that right. But our, those rights aren't guaranteed by the Constitution. It didn't say we could do everything we, could, we wanted to do. We have certain freedoms, but we need to know what those freedoms are. See, the world, they don't want us to know what their freedoms are because then we'll sit in, the, sit in the back and not say anything. We won't complain when they try to pass all this legislation that goes against God's law and God's word. And if you're a Christian that just sits back and doesn't say anything, then, what, then you're agreeing with what they say. If you're not saying anything, if you're not writing your congressman, and if you're not praying for our nation, if you're not doing these kind of things, then you're saying anything they say is okay. So, then there's the third, the third stage, or the third phase, and that's uh, the freedom for. God's eternal purpose is freedom for what? Outreach. That was God's initial pur uh, purpose. He wants the freedom of worship, and we want, he wants us to be out of slavery and bondage, but he, he did all those things. He saved America. He provided freedom in America so we could reach out to the world. It was for the four. That's what God created us as a big, bright nation for. And as long as we bless God, as long as we give to his programs, as long as we are su supporting the missionaries, as long as we're getting the world out all over the world, and, we're, and the church is the one that's basically taking care of the poor. They're the ones that's doing it. It's not the world, it's the, it's the Christians. It's the Christian mentality that's doing that. And as long as we're doing that, that's why God's hand is still on America. But the only problem is he's starting to lift his fingers off because he's got his, he used to be like this, his hand was on there, and now it's kind of like this because of the way that our, our government has been going the last few years. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be absolutely free. If God sets us free, then we're absolutely free. And that's the best kind of freedom to have. God, say, God set up our nation so we could connect to other people, so we could introduce them to the ultimate freedom. That's what God's purpose was in our nation. Now, there are three principles of freedom. The first one is rest. Rest in what God has done for us. I know there's a story of a prisoner was in a prison in, in Sydney, Australia, and he was in there, and he seen this bakery van pull in. And he thought, man, I'm getting out of this place. So he snuck in when no one was in. He got into the engine compartment. And he got on top of the engine and got down in there and kind of rode, rode on top of this engine and got out of prison, got out of the prison. He thought, wow, this is kind of cool. Finally, the van stopped. And he thought, oh, man, I'm out. This is finally my chance. This is my opportunity. So he gets out, and he looks around, finds out he was in another prison. <laughs> See, I guess it was on a prison run or something. <laughs> but that's the same thing that we do. We try to do all these kind of things to get out of our prison, don't we? We try to try good works to get out of our prison. We try to go do things. We try to, do, to be nice to people. We try to give to, to good causes. We try to do things. We try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We try to, we try to do everything we can. But all we do is just end up in another prison. Because when is enough enough? So we go from the prison of one prison of, of sin and, and all damnation upon us to the prison, to how many works do I got to do? See, I got to visit 20 people every week or I'm not going to heaven. I got to do this. So we exchange one for a prison for another one. But see, Jesus wants to come and set us free, period. He doesn't want us to be in bondage. So we need to rest in him. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. 
And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Salvation comes from God. We can't earn it. There's not a thing we can do for it. But enjoy it. Accept it and enjoy it. And that's God's plan. Because he knew he had to provide a plan that was simple, that every one of us could do. And every one of us can accept Christ as our Savior. Every one of us can come to him and say, I'm a sinner, and I just confess you. I know I can't do anything about it. And then rest in that. That's why we need to confess. Why do we confess? So we can have rest. So we can give that to God and get rid of it. Have you ever paid off a car and you made the last payment and all of a sudden that relief that comes into your heart because that burden is lifted off of you? You don't continue to pay those payments afterwards, do you? Does anybody here that paid off a car and still paid your payments? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, it doesn't make any sense in the Christian realm either because Christ provided the payment. It wasn't a cheap price, but he paid it because he knew we couldn't. And then we got to accept that payment and let him lift the burden of sin off of us and let us live the way he wants us to live. Uh, Revelation 1 verse 5 says, All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood. Freedom is resting in what God has done for us. That's what freedom is. It's being able to rest and not have to worry about things. Why to worry? What have we got to worry about? God's in control. I know sometimes as we look at this nation and we look at everything that's going on, we say, God, what in the world are you doing? And I say that. I said, what is going on here? Because we don't know. But we don't have to know. All we have to do is know that God knows what's going on. And I've looked at the end of the book and we win. I can watch any kind of game on TV, any ball game from my favorite team. If I've seen the score and I know they win. So it don't matter if they fumbled the ball seven times in the first quarter. It doesn't matter because I know they're going to win in the end. And that's the way our society is now. Man, we fumbled the ball. We've done all kinds of things. We fumbled it. We're being tackled. We're being abused. We're having all these things going on. But I read the end of the book and we win. So I can look at the situations going on in our nation through God's eyes and say, God, I don't like what I see. And I pray and I ask God to intervene and I ask him to change the things that need to be changed. But ultimately, I know and I can thank him because I have a hope at the end of the book. I have a hope. But I don't have to live looking forward to that hope. I have a hope now because I'm set free now. I don't have to wait till the end of the book to be free. I'm going to heaven when I die, whether it's tomorrow or today. It doesn't matter. But I can live free within my soul and within my spirit because Christ has made me free. The second principle of freedom is respond. We need to respond to the power of the Holy Spirit and its transforming power. That's what God's will is for our lives. He wants us to respond. It wouldn't make a lot of sense for God to provide something if he didn't want us to respond. You invite people over to dinner on Sunday or through the week or after dinner so you can feed them. You don't just invite them over for dinner and then not feed them. That's crazy, isn't it? You're sitting there saying, I thought you all invited me over here for dinner. Yeah, I did, but, you know, this is invisible food. <laughs> I, I know you've been talking about your weight, and so I'm trying to help you out here. We're going to have invisible food with no calories. I guarantee they won't come back to your house for dinner. But trying to understand freedom the way God understands it, the way God wants us to understand it, is trying to like, like trying to understand kite flying. 
I mean, you fly a kite, and you sit there and you run, and you get that kite flying, and the harder the wind blows, the higher the kite goes. And the harder, you know, the string, you're pulling on the string, but this string is what's keeping that, fly, uh, that kite flying. If that wind breaks that string, the kite's going to go all over the place. It may be flying for a few minutes or two, but it's going to land in a tree or crash on the ground. It wasn't the wind that kept the kite flying. Kite flying. It was the restraint that kept it flying. And if we want to fly high, if we want to live in freedom, if we need God's restraint in our life because otherwise we're going to be flying all over the place and we're going to crash and burn. And I don't like crashing and burning. I got a lot of scars from crashing and burning. I don't like it. So I want God to restrain me and hold me. And it doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. Because the harder the wind blows, the kite goes up higher and higher. And you just let that go. Pretty soon that kite's about this big because it's way up there. As long as the wind blows. If the wind stops blowing, the kite can't fly. I don't care how pretty that kite is. I don't care how much string you got. It's not going to fly without wind. And that's why we're always got something going on in our lives. Because God knows we can't fly without wind. We've got to have restraint. We've got to have some kind of resistance in our life in order to function. So we don't want to get rid of the restraint. We don't want to get rid of those things. Because we know that we'll never be free. And achieve the desires that God has in our heart. He'll give us the desires of our heart in Christ. He won't give us the desires of our heart that aren't in Christ. I don't care how good looking your neighbor's wife is, it isn't God's will for you to have her. Or to have him. Or to have their money. Or to have their car or anything else. That isn't God's will for your life. God's will for your life, he puts desires in our heart. Our desire, his desire for our life is to serve him. And to do whatever he wants us to do. And he puts desires in our heart. If you've had a desire in your heart to be a mechanic, guess what? God put it there. If you have a desire in your heart to be a doctor or whatever it might be, God put it there. God put a desire in my heart to do what I'm doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. And when I'm faithful to do what God has put in my heart to fulfill, he's going to anoint me. He's going to anoint you just as much to be a doctor or a mechanic or a babysitter or whatever it is that you do as he does me up here. And if you're not getting that same kind of anointing, then maybe you're not doing enough homework. Maybe you're not doing enough stuff and preparing enough for God to do that. I wouldn't dare come up here unless I was prepared. Not so much with spending the time to write down notes and doing those things and putting things together, but praying for God's anointing. Because if God isn't going to anoint me, I don't want to do it. And I don't dare do it. Because it's hard. It's like pushing a rope. You can't push a rope. And when you're trying to do something without God's anointing in your life, you're trying to push a rope. And you're not going anywhere. You have to pull the rope. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It pulls us, it leads us, and it directs us. Because you can't push a rope. Galatians 5.22 says, But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we respond... To God's offer of freedom, he gives us these things. Now, I know the first three is what the world's looking for. The gravy, love, joy, peace. Man, if they could just get those three, the world would be a lot different place. Because we live in a world that has no joy. They're not happy. They hate going to work every day. They hate doing everything they do except when they come home on, the, on Friday nights and they kick up and all they do is drink all weekend until they start doing it all over again. That's the kind of life they have because they have no joy. 
and they have no peace. Their, their minds are running 90 miles an hour trying to wonder what's going on, and they're worried about everything in their life. They're worried about their kids. And I'm not saying we don't need to be concerned about these things, because we do. But there's a difference between concern and worry. Worry is something that just eats us up and our, our, ties us up. And we're sitting there, and we're, we're going in all kinds of different directions, trying to solve a situation what God can control, in God control. We have to just turn it over to him and quit worrying about it. Oh, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get us out of this mess. And I prayed that prayer. God, I don't know how you're going to do this one. I don't know how you're going to pull this off. But I know you're going to somehow. And just give it to you. And say, God, work it out. Because I can't do it. See, sometimes we have these severe situations in our life, and we know we can't do anything about them. But we sit and we worry and we worry and we worry about it, wondering how we're going to do it. Well, God doesn't want us to do it. He wants to let him do it through us. And when we do that, it works better. You can't drive your car without gas in the tank. Your car's on empty and run out of gas. You're not going anywhere. I don't care what kind of car it is. It can be the most fanciest BMW, Mercedes, or Cadillac. The is there. could be a $100,000, $300,000 car. But a $2 gallon of gas or $3 a gallon of gas... It makes a difference in making it go from point A to point B. That's the anointing. See, we're the automobile. God's the gasoline. We need to have God's gas in our tank if we're going to do anything for him. And that's his will and that's his purpose. So we need to do that. The third phrase is reach out. He didn't save us just to just sit and enjoy our little self, my four and no more. He, he saved us so we could reach out to others. 25.10 says, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto the inhabitants thereof. It was read on July 8, 1776. Before the, when the, the, the Declaration of Independence, the first time it was read to the citizens. They'd worked on it. We know that they, they signed it in uh, the 4th of July in 1776. So we, four days later, when they finally put it together and put it to where the... They could give, give it to certain people to spread it out. And so this was the first reading in public of the Constitution. And they rang the liberty bell and said, Proclaim freedom, proclaim throughout the land. God has the same purpose for our lives. He wants to proclaim liberty throughout the land, not only to the physical land, but this land, because we're made of dust. We're made of dirt. God made us out of the dust of the earth originally, and that's where our main components come from the earth. God wants us to proclaim liberty in this earth and in this body. And that's his will in our lives as a nation, individual. Galatians uh, 3.23 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ. This freedom God wanted us to share, but it was for everybody. It wasn't just for the rich. It wasn't just for the poor. It wasn't just for the elite. It wasn't just for the people that could read. It was for everybody. Now, that's a wonderful freedom that can be given to anyone, and God wants us to reach others and share this liberty with them. If we have something that can change people's life and we don't share it with them, then we're being selfish. You know, it isn't like you invite the whole neighborhood over for dinner with all you got is one loaf and one fish. Although, if God tells you to do it, it'll be enough. <laughs> God wants you to invite to be able to give it to everybody that comes. He wants us to reach when we come in contact. 
wants us to reach out to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, to everyone, because his gift is for everyone. And that's what we need to do as Christians, and that's his will for our lives. Romans 3, 22, sorry, verse 22 says, God put people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. God does this to all who believe in Christ because there is no difference at all. Everyone has sinned and come and is far from God's saving presence. But by the free gift of God's grace are all put in right with Christ, with, with him through Christ Jesus, who sets them free. He made the difference. It was God's gift to all of us. And we as Americans are really blessed. Man, I'll tell you, talk about a double portion. We got it. We got a free nation in order to live in. We got a free nation that we can come here to church this on this morning, any day of the week. We can come and worship God. You don't have to worry about it. There are places in this world that don't have that luxury. And yet they're stronger Christians generally than the people that walk more and more pews in the churches today. Because they think, oh, it can't be worth anything because they're it's free. Nothing isn't worth having. And that's the facing with and so we have stronger Christians in other in other world regions of the world it costs people there's a price to be and the way this world's going going we're going to find out what it's going to cost if things don't change if we don't have a revival in America I'll probably be the first one behind bars because <laughs> I'm going to preach it all I don't care I'm not going to stop preaching what God tells me to preach because jail. but if they keep passing this hate bill. It's, oh, it sounds so wonderful. Bill. It isn't a hate crimes bill because every crime that someone commits is hate. When you look, when it gets down to it. There's already enough laws on the book. We don't need any special provision for other people. And that's what it is. It's provision. If you hate them even more than you hate them, basically is what it is. And then they determine what it is. If you kill a... Uh, Somebody that, that does abortion, that's a hate crime. A homosexual, if you kill a homosexual, it's a hate crime. But it isn't a hate crime if you kill your neighbor. It isn't a hate crime if you kill somebody else. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. So they're going to be voting on that. You should be notifying and telling them, hey, you vote for this bill. It's not because they have provisions in there. Too. They, don't, they don't let you know about those, though. And they have provisions in there that if I'm talking about a homosexual, lifestyle and if I condemn it out of God's word I can be convicted as a hate crime so I'm I'm in jail that thing passes but that's okay it's all right it's good enough for Peter enough for me I guess (laughs) just come and see me (laughs) come and visit me (laughs) see God gave us so we could reach out that was the reason he did it so we can share faith with other people we are blessed to be a blessing. If people blessing other people with what God has given us, he's not going to give you anymore. And he's going to start taking it away. People say, you know, if I made more money, I'd give my tithes. If I paid more money, if I made $1,000 a week, I'd give God 100 I'm going to give you the 1000 to you're faithful with 100 Because... If God can't trust you with a hundred, he sure's devil ain't gonna trust you with a thousand. I tell people I have just as much money as God can trust me with. <laughs> and I keep telling them, say, God, on this life, you can trust me with more. You can trust me with more. <laughs> but it's up to us. God wants us to share. 
the transforming power that there is in Christ Jesus. Because that's ultimately what we want. We want people changed. Changed externally, we want them changed from the inside out. Because when they're changed from the inside out, they are changed. External laws, this is going to change someone's heart. They, we have speed limits all over this country. And I guarantee you, including me, I break them all the time. <laughs> Because it's an external thing. Sure, there's going to be a penalty involved if I get caught. <laughs> but God sees everything. <laughs> but when it's changed from the heart, if you're a police officer all of a sudden and you get a new insight on those kind of things, then you probably got a more apt that you're going to obey those speed limits. Or you've seen all the harm that causes from people that are speeding too much when you pick them up off the road. You see the ramifications, then all of a sudden you become a sudden your life changes. So external laws, they aren't going to change a lot. It needs to change in the heart. That's why we need a revival in the hearts of America, in the hearts of our leadership. Because when their hearts are changed, then this nation will be changed. Because so goes the leadership, because so goes the nation. We see throughout the history, just think we're going to be different. As long as they had righteous leadership, they prospered. When they had unrighteous leadership, they didn't. And they ended Guess what? That's where we're headed. Because we're heading more toward unrighteous. We have some good righteous leadership, and I thank God for them. We need to take our freedom seriously, as serious as our forefathers did, because they were very serious about it. Every one of them that signed the Declaration of suffered greatly. I forgot that listed, so I could tell you how they suffered. They lost all their possessions. They lost their lives. They were in prison. They, they lost their families. They killed everything. There was very few of them that survived. 